by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Welcome everybody to N17 Women, podcast about Spurs women. And well, it's the last podcast before the season starts. How excited is that? So we've been doing a few a few podcasts over the summer, but we really get down to the nitty gritty now, really, I think. And as always, I'm joined by a fantastic panel of women we've got Caroline how are you Caroline doing great so excited for the season to start and Rachel how are you I'm good I can't believe we've almost got through that three-month wait and then Abby how are you I'm really good I'm enjoying myself and I'm really looking forward to the season starting yeah hard to believe hard to believe we're uh, not long away now but we did have a final pre-season game which Rachel and I were lucky enough to go and bask in the sunshine and watch the game uh, and and Caroline and Abby, you watched from home. Unsurprisingly, we lost to Chelsea, who had the same eleven for the entire game, having split their squad. So it wasn't what you might call the strongest eleven from Chelsea, and it was a two nil victory for them. What was your standout from that game? What what did that game leave you thinking for the season? Well, it left me thinking that we, like we kind of saw with the other preseason games at the Women's Cup, defense is definitely going to be an area to keep an eye on this season. Just, I don't know, we just do not seem to be as solid at the back as we were previously. And when you're playing against a team like Chelsea with such great attackers, you know, that can, it could get ugly real quick. So I guess in that sense, it's good that we were able to keep it to just a 2 0 scoreline. It's interesting. I feel like I did not hate this game as much as the scoreline would reflect or as I think what I've heard other people are thinking of it because I felt like we went pretty toe-to-toe with Chelsea for the whole game and the two goals that we conceded to them were stupid goals. It wasn't like to my eye that Chelsea just beat us down with chances and only two of them went in. They only really had those two other good chances at the beginning of the second half in my mind. And, and, and it could have been, I mean, sure. They could have gone in, we could have, but it could have gone anywhere from like, we drew that game one, one to like, we lost three, nothing. And I think like, I think the loss was deserved and that Chelsea was really good, but I did really like what I saw uh, with our press coming together in the first half. And the reason I saw Chelsea break our press and start to score was because they realized that we were winning battles in midfield and they just started playing over the top and then when you have attackers like they have against defenders like we have who aren't used to being in those situations I think that like I think you're just naturally going to get goals from that but even so they didn't get quite as many chances from it as I would have expected and I think Chelsea's a pretty unique team in their attacking threats I mean maybe like City and United uh also have those and probably Arsenal as well but I didn't hate it. I did not hate it at all. I mean, I think that you're right that it wasn't terrible. And when I watched it back on YouTube, it felt better than it had live. I think when we were in the stadium watching it and me and Sean were down one end, certainly for large swathes of the second half, it felt like we didn't have anything in our end. And we were watching everything happening down the other end, which was where Chelsea were attacking. And we were also sort of up close for some of the defensive errors in the first half. And Mm -hmm. that was where, for example, for the first goal where the ball was sort of ricocheting between Shalina Zadorsky and Amy Turner, and it actually came off of Amy Turner directly um, to get the, the shot could be got away by the Chelsea player. It felt like there's still a little bit of confusion about who's covering whom and how that's working. And the second goal wasn't exactly the same. It was a player who got who was actually being um, marked by Anharad James and then got kind of slipped away from her. Um, and but still, it was it felt like with the three central defenders, they weren't entirely clear who was covering what areas. And so who should be moving up and who should be double teeing on the player when they were in attack. So there was still that, you know, it was still a defence that is in waiting. And of course, like most of our defenders have now played 
almost the full 90 minutes of all three games. And so you'd expect them to have the most familiarity with one another. On the upside, I want to mention Jess Naz, because I thought she looked really bright in this game and has looked pretty good in the other two games. She didn't score, but she was probably the player who was creating some of the better chances, along with Nicola. And Nicola, as we've said in the previous pods, continued to look really strong in all senses, so that she was strong in that she was keeping players away from her. She was bringing the ball down. She managed to kind of go around the goalkeeper at one point. And that was, again, a tribute to her just having both the skills and the strength to kind of bully the opposition sometimes. And that's going to be really interesting. But at the same time, she was sometimes having to get back too far so that we were seeing her in her sort of defensive half and not then playing to her strengths again. Sorry, I feel like I'm using the word strong in all contexts to describe that. (laughs) Um, she is a very strong player and um, it's going to be really exciting to see how she develops but she's going to need to be kind of played you know as an attacker more frequently I think so one of the things I think we learned is that there are lots more attacking options but we haven't yet found the way to deploy them successfully next alongside one another perhaps yeah I mean a big concern I had was that despite our additions to the attacking lineup it still felt a lot of the time like there was nobody in the box. There was a slight change to that at the start of the second half where I think Rihanna had obviously said, you need to get in the box. And there was a bit more, uh, there was a bit more kind of three people in the box. And then when there was a change in the attacking lineup, when the, and there was 10 minutes after the, the change was made, for those 10 minutes, there were more people in the box. But then we went back and there were a few times, first half in particular, that Nicola was doing the work outside of the box and there was nobody in the box to take the ball or Jess was running onto the box and just taking a little bit too long maybe or and being pushed a little bit wide and there was nobody in the box, so the shots went wide. So that's my concern is that we've still got that problem from last season that that we're not getting enough people in the box. I think from, from the evidence of what happened after the half-time and after the changes, Rianne is aware of that and is working on that, but it is a concern for me that... That, that given the number of strikers or attacking players we bought this summer, that that is, is still a worry. Nicola looking like an excellent replacement for Rachel, just so long as we can get some more players through. I was listening to Ash after the game. She was chatting to somebody else, talking about injuries. Um, Keris apparently has had a backup and done something to her ankle, but it shouldn't be too long before Keris is back from what Ash was saying. But Kit, she was saying, would be the next. With Kit and Rhea, uh, Christmas at the earliest for Kit, by the sounds of it. And then Rhea, obviously, after that. So it's going to be a while before they're back and we're going to have to find some solutions to those kind of attacking options that Kit's provided. And I think just as well, the second goal was maybe a little bit about players not being aware of how quick players in the league are because Erin Cuthbert came in and stole that. Ash played a pass and Erin Cuthbert came in behind the player and and nicked the ball and passed it to to Lauren James and she scored um so you know there's uh, there is a bit to be said for learning about how how quickly things move in the league and and I think there is a little bit of during the Chelsea game passing that wasn't quite making its mark which again is stuff that you learn isn't it and it's about match fitness some worrying signs from last season in attack some worrying signs from pre-season in defense but at the same time 2-0 against Chelsea albeit with the caveats I said at the beginning, we've done a lot worse. I wonder how much those attacking issues trickle back our defense because the less you're able to string together attacks and the more you're like losing possession from attacks rather than converting them into goals, the more your defense is going to put be put under pressure. And I love Nicola a lot already. She will not do the ball retention up top that Rachel Williams did. That's just a fact by her being like a less experienced player. Uh, Not saying she couldn't do it someday, but that just isn't the kind of player she is right now. And if she's already dropping back and participating in build up and like having to retain the ball in midfield, that is going to make us weaker, expose our defense more. And it's not her fault at all. We need to do better, like having more players that can provide us more in attack, you know? 
Yeah, I guess just talking about the midfield, one of the things I did notice was that Drew and Jess seem to be combining really nicely quite a few times. And they seem to have an understanding going on where there was sort of one touch passing. And I was excited about that. Talking about one touch passing, I also wanted to have a shout out to Kaya, who is not always our most favourite player. Oh my gosh, I loved her in this game. She did great. Yeah, And I think her, and it was down the wing with Azzy often, who again, isn't always the strongest, but had some moments. I think one of the things that Azzy is actually really good at is intercepting the ball so that she was winning the ball back at lots of points and doing exactly what Erin Cuthbert, we were saying, was doing earlier, where in this sort of pass between Chelsea players where they given, you know, that was just slightly too slow. So I know she didn't always have the perfect final pass, but I think Azzy and Kaya did a really great job. And just, again, seeing some of the understandings develop is obviously what preseason's about. I don't especially remember seeing those players, you know, combining last season. So that's yeah. a cause for optimism. I was also impressed by Cho when she came in. I feel like she, she got such fun. Sp- yeah, she had such sporadic game time last season that it was kind of hard to get a read on her. Um, but I liked what she brought to this preseason friendly. And just thinking about our preseason as a whole, I think it's going to end up being really valuable in our preparation that we got to play against three really good quality teams that all had varying playing styles. You know, I feel like we're going to be able to respond basically to, you know, any sort of challenge that we get this season in terms of the different teams. So really good job uh, from the club making sure that these challenging preseason friendlies happened. I will just say, I cannot believe that Chelsea didn't score against us with a Cho Petzelberger double pivot. That was wild. What, the, what was that? It's the chaos midfield, oh, the, oh, the yeah. controlled chaos midfield. <laughs> <laughs> It almost worked. I mean, sometimes Ellie also had it. We hadn't mentioned Ellie Brazil who came on as a substitute and um, she was on the opposite side from Kaya and also, well, actually she was played as a sort of, which I wasn't as convinced by. She was played as a sort of the substitute for Nicola as a central attacker, but then she did also have some time on the wings where she seemed perhaps a little bit more suited. And she obviously brings really different kinds of strengths to Nicola. But I guess one of the things I would say is that compared to last season, we had a bunch of substitutes came on and they raised the standard. So there was like a a boost. And I have to say most of last season, we had substitutes come on and things just slowed down. So Mm -hmm. even if that just little, that again, it goes back to that thing we talked about before, which is depth and that having people who, maybe aren't necessarily at a massive level higher, but are at least at the same level and then can bring new energy and new skills. I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. And it's a really weird preseason because it's ending in a week of international um, window for the games to start. So all the players who play for their international teams have headed off and the Lionesses are back at St George's Park and things. So it's a really strange thing that that they don't get to play together right up until the start of the season, but we will be seeing them at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in the first game of the season against Manchester United, which will be interesting, I think, and another tough challenge, but hopefully in front of lots of fans as tickets do seem to be selling pretty well. I don't know how much you've been watching the other teams that we're going to be facing in pre-season and a few Champions League games as well in the early stages. Manchester City once again not getting through the Champions League early stages, so they'll be coming into the Conti Cup at the group stage. Some interesting stuff. I mean, Liverpool hammered West Ham, but then West Ham have made some really interesting moves in the transfer market since then. So what, what has, what's been noticeable to you about everybody else pre-season? I actually was able to catch uh, Manchester United playing Bayern Munich in the, I think they called it the French Women's Cup. It was another one of the, you know, international tournaments happening this summer. It was a pretty decisive victory from Bayern. Uh, I think the score ended up being like 3-0. The players from the Euros, you know, that we've talked about at length that are on Man U, they seemed like they were still in gear and the rest of the team was not quite up at the same level. Of course, this is preseason, so that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but they definitely had, you know, some vulnerabilities in their defense and looked pretty toothless and attack the one game that I saw. So a little bit of hope for opening day. 
Although they they did manage to squeeze out a win in their earlier game in that tournament, and mm-hmm. that was with very few of their Euros players on the pitch. So I think it was a goal. I might be wrong, or maybe it wasn't a goal from, but I think Lucia Garcia. Uh, or Lucia Garcia um, had a really good game and she's one of their new players. So I think it's a bit sort of TBC for Manchester United. They definitely have got, they have strengthened. I, I would just highlight that as Sean said earlier when we were talking about Chelsea, we played one half of their team and lost 2-0. <laughs> the other half of their team beat the under 17 men's team, I think, oh, yeah. that same morning. And they are a team that has just strengthened this. They also did pretty well in their the cup uh, that they were playing in the US. It was, again, another of those international cups. I think they lost the final, but they, again, got to the final and they played well in the final. I think they lost the final on penalties. I may be corrected on this one. Haven't Chelsea now got, like, six international centre-backs in their squad? So, <laughs> you know, the strength in depth is just ridiculous. And, it, I mean, it does make me concerned if if one team are getting that many of the best players how the how because what we need now is for the rest of the league to kind of catch up to lose that gap between the top three or four and the rest and if Chelsea are able just to buy in six international centre-backs and as you know cover all the positions with that kind of depth where are the players coming from for everybody else? Uh, it, it does worry me a little bit because but obviously Emma Hayes is after that elusive Champions League title which is the only thing that's eluded her so far so yeah it does make me worry but when you've got a team that's got that much depth it's very hard to see other teams in the league competing against them I mean it's interesting to watch the the Lucy Bronze saga mind you as she's left City and can't actually register for Barcelona at the moment because apparently (laughs) they did apparently they did because she can get a Portuguese passport through her parents so they've registered Lucy Bronze, but they probably won't be able to register Kira Walsh because she can't get a Portuguese passport through her parents. Interesting stuff. Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. Chelsea really <laughs> do seem like they're just too big to fail right now. And it, it really like frustrates me watching like Chelsea fans on the internet complain about their team's weaknesses because they do have weaknesses. They do not really have a midfield in some ways, but they're so strong in attack and defense. I really just think it doesn't matter. And I'm like watching them hand ring and like get upset over like not signing a DM. And it's just like, I don't know, go complain to someone else. Like, I wish, can't we have your like Beth England crumbs? Like, come on now. Like you're like going <laughs> to storm the league again and it's not even going to be a competition. Abby's still sore about Beth England. <laughs> that is the main takeaway there. <laughs> and she was playing well against us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the hurtful part. <laughs> but I think it's interesting to see the difference between what Chelsea are doing and what Arsenal are doing. Arsenal feel like they did a bit of a clear out. So like three of their players went to West Ham, other players went out on loan and they've only brought in two players so far. But it feels like it's more of a consolidation for Jonas Eideval to get the squad that he wants, which is an increasingly blonde Scandinavian squad. But, you know, <laughs> other than that, it's also obviously about playing in the way he wants them to play. Yeah, so that's going to be an interesting one. And whether or not that's been effective, because there's obviously, there's less churn, it's more time for them to play together. I don't, I haven't seen any pre-season games that they've been involved in and although they have to play some of the qualifiers in the Champions League they don't have to play as many as Man City because they finished second so again they haven't played those yet so not really a very good sense of where they're going to be at. And this is historically how it has been in the women's game you know everything pre-season has been behind closed doors you haven't known it's going on so actually Mm -hmm. the position for Arsenal is is standard historically you know the other teams are now starting to move forward and to put matches on sale to fans or stream them for fans and things which is great and actually what there was over 2,000 people at the Chelsea friendly that we were at Rachel which was majority Chelsea fans because Spurs didn't advertise it but it was majority (laughs) Chelsea fans so do you think you can if you I mean and the stadium looked three quarters full half full three quarters full so you know, you can get those kind of numbers to pre-season and the amount of money that Chelsea must have made from that in terms of the number of people carrying plates of chips past us. It just seems like a no-brainer from every perspective for, for the clubs to be being much more open about pre-season. So hopefully we'll see a bit more of that next year and it will just keep increasing. 
but because it does mean that you don't get a sight of, of the team like Arsenal. Maybe that's how Jonas wants it. Maybe he doesn't want us all to be able to see where he's at. But I think it's 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 fun being able to be involved in pre-season and see your team. And I mean, we're all geeks about the women's game. We like to see as much of it as we can. And I think it's one of the things we were saying at the game is it's a real shame that Spurs didn't take the chance to have a pre-season game at Brisbane Road, just mm. as a way of introducing fans to the stadium and players mm. and kind of creating that space of sort of that home stadium identity, because otherwise we're not going to be playing there till October. So it, it, felt, it felt a bit like a chance missed, but it was fun to see them nonetheless. And I guess, I mean, moving beyond the top team. We haven't really talked about Man City, have we? I mean, Man City is a weird one, as we've said before. I actually don't think it's that weird. I think their transfer window has been an unqualified success. They've gotten like three of the best young players in the world. And I, they also got, um, yeah, I think they did some good replacements and they got Mary Fowler and like Dana Castellanos. I just think that's good. I think it might take them a while to bed them in. They probably weren't going to win the league anyway next year. So like, fine. I think Manchester City exemplifies one of the things that's most exciting to me about this transfer window across the board, which is that all these young players seem to be coming to the WSL now. And I think that no matter what that, does to teams various positions in the table that's a generally good thing for the sport I think we have two of three of them if you count Ellie, Ellie Brazil as well but we have Nicola and Celine and then Man City got two great players Chelsea picked up Kinnerid and Buchanan and I think there's just going to be some really interesting young folks which I think is just generally good but yeah, I think City will probably say the same and that their window has been like interesting, as you said, but like good and solid. Yeah, the bad news for the rest of the league is that they're already out of the Champions League. So they're going right. to be fully focused on the WSL now. <laughs> but I mean, I, I take your point about they have all these exciting young new players coming in. I still think there has to be some sort of indication from those top quality seasoned professionals that left the club that something might be amiss at the club there. But this could be, you know, a fresh start for them that they needed just to kind of completely start fresh and get some new blood in that is not discontent as everyone who left seemed to be. Who was it? Who went to to Bayern? I was watching a video. Stanway. Yeah, and yes. she was saying yeah. that her, her, her concern was that she wasn't really allowed to specialise in a position. She was just moved around mm-hmm. the squad. And so she felt like she wasn't given the opportunity to shine in the way that she wanted to. Um, and she was saying, yeah, just generally a lot of the players that moved on had been there a long time. And after it becomes, you know, a similar thing. And sometimes you just want to challenge yourself and move on. I think it's quite normal for players who've been at a club for that length of time to want to move on and challenge themselves somewhere else. So I don't see that necessarily as being a bad thing, particularly with a, a new man, a relatively new manager, you know, things change and chop about. Um, and obviously Stanway wasn't quite somebody he saw as, as clearly being somebody in his squad and having a, a space and, and players want that. So it will be interesting to see, you know, how they move on. Obviously they had a dreadful start to last season, so they can't really do any worse than that. Can they? <laughs> True. I mean, I guess the question is to what extent the squad is going to become more than the sum of its parts. And I guess last season, at least for a large part of the season, they were less than the sum of some really excellent parts. And you have players, not just the ones who've left, but players like Bonnie Shaw as well, who just didn't feel like they were playing at their capacity. And so there have been at least a few questions about whether or not this is a team that Gareth Taylor is going to be able to do something with or whether the team is going to do something despite him um but definitely some lovely components there so it's going to be one of those it's definitely not a team that I'm excited for us to play Mm -mm. (laughs) yeah Bunny Shaw getting a chance to shine is frightening for everyone else so oh yeah what do we all think about Liverpool? I mean, I, I think they're going to be really interesting, actually, this season. In pre-season, they've had some really great results. Obviously, coming up from the Championship, you wouldn't expect them necessarily to compete. But then again, we've seen Manchester United came up and straight away moved into that top four. We came up and were straight away mid-table. So what are you expecting to see from them? It's interesting, isn't it? Because we played them last season in the Conti Cup and it was just when we were not 
very good and we still beat them and they didn't look great so they and yet they absolutely wiped the floor with the championship last season so it was a very easy top finish for them and yet there felt like there was a pretty big gulf still between them and us they've signed some good players not necessarily a lot of transformative players so it might be just a question of whether or not that team that's come up with a few new players and they've got, you know, they have got some great people like Cavisto who's gone there from Brighton. Um, they've got um, Flaherty from West Ham. The main bulk of the squad is going to be the pl- team that we saw last season. So I don't know, it's whether or not they can have that solidity and unity that they brought up with them. Um, and there's obviously been a lot of excitement around Liverpool as well. I know that the club itself integrated them really well into the processions and things that they had. And so it feels like there's an excitement around the team that might also help. They drew with Man City, I think, 1-1 uh, the weekend. So that's a pretty good result. Interesting. Wow, yeah. Well, and there are some teams, you know, like Leicester that, you think they they're vulnerable to relegation just like they were last season and if Liverpool are really investing in their club you know they should be concerned (laughs) yeah Leicester doesn't seem like they've strengthened much similarly Everton who obviously at the start of last season people were talking about potential break potentially breaking into the top three they had all these amazing players they've now sold Mm -hmm. quite a few of their or lost some of their amazing players They've signed a few, but not, you know, it isn't the equivalent. Um, so it'll be in, and they they went through three managers last season. So whether or not they have found some kind of stability, whether they're going to be using players better is a sort of wait and see. Um, and I guess them, and then Aston Villa is, is an interesting one as well, because they, most of their players either retired or went to lower league teams. And so they do feel like they've kind of strengthened and yet, not exactly. So we've got some great players like Rachel Daly going in there, but they've also got some other players who don't look like they're necessarily at the level of Anita Asante or Jill Scott or some of the players they lost through retirement. Mm-hmm. And they were really bad in attack last year, and they've even lost Petzelberger to us. And so it's, Rachel Daly coming in is obviously going to be huge to them. But I'm not just saying, like, I've said this before on this pod, it wasn't just that they were bad at goals. They were bad at passes into the final third, passes into the penalty area, crosses, shots on target, like literally every offensive metric before you even get to goals and assists. And so in my mind, it's kind of like, I know Rachel Daly is really good and that she's carried a lot of teams in her career, but it's like, given Aston Villa has lost from like their literal bottom of the league attack, how much can she really do? Bring them up to like 10th in the league in attack? Like, is that enough? If they're, they've also lost them in defense as well? I don't know. It's certainly going to be an interesting season, I think. And as as usual, the kind of that middle ground of the table, teams being so close and with so many changes happening in the off season, you really just, you know, you come to every season afresh going, I'm not quite sure what the order's going to be this season. <laughs> we're, we're hoping, I guess, well, we'll come to, we'll come to predictions a little bit later on. Um, so let's, let's think about the other competition this season is the Conti Cup um, in the first half of the season anyway. Um, we do know our group for the Conti Cup. So this is the League Cup. And for those of you who are new to the women's game, unlike the men's game, the first round essentially is a group stage. So there are four teams or five teams in each group and it's split north and south of the country. So you don't play teams that are an awfully long way away from you, which does kind of make the groups fairly similar every year. Uh, but it also also recently they've introduced the rule that Champions League teams do not play in the group stage, which helps us because it stops us from having Chelsea and Arsenal in the group stage, which meant that last season, because that was the first season it was introduced, we did actually get all the way to the semi-final, which was the first time we'd ever got out of the group stage. So that was quite a good run for the first time we got out of the group stage. This year, we got um, Southampton. We've got Coventry again. And who else have we got? Reading. Reading. Who there I realised we, we didn't talk about. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we Significantly. <laughs> we can talk about them now. So two... Clubs from the Championship, Southampton, who've just come up, and Coventry, who are one of the strugglers in the Championship, and then Reading, who are one of those teams who we might be expecting to be challenging in and around us in the Super League. How are we feeling about the Conti Cup? Well, I did just see that apparently Reading lost one nothing to Birmingham City in preseason, which obviously it's preseason, 
and then take it with a grain of salt. But like, man, that's a score line. Yes, yeah, and I Birmingham have been investing. I think this. I think oh, that's true. Look, look, look like they're going to be quite strong in the championship this this season. But still, you know, interesting. I caught a little bit of uh, Coventry's game against Crystal Palace this past weekend, and obviously, Crystal Palace are you know one of the top teams in the championship, and I think expected to beat them. But it was a pretty decisive scoreline. So I think Coventry's defense can definitely be gotten at. Yeah, I was I was at that game. Um, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> um and there was that. one player on Coventry whose name I'm blanking on but she one of their attackers was quite impressive I thought um I thought their left back who sometimes got into attack was quite good I think um I can't remember but um uh yes yeah, I mean they defensively basically they parked the bus is what they did and actually for a long long periods of the game that was quite effective yeah um Crystal Palace spent quite a lot of time about the halfway line, just passing it along their back three. But then obviously mm-hmm. um, they were able to uh, to take advantage. And, and I mean, the, th- the third goal came right at the death. So it wasn't like, you know, the scoreline made it seem like the more of a dominant game than it might have done otherwise. But yeah, it's going to be a long, hard season for Coventry. I think they're going to struggle again this season. They're still, they're not quite on a full-time. Um, they, mm-hmm. they were on full-time, obviously they've gone back to not not being quite full-time now. So I think they're going to struggle again this season. I think Southampton are going to struggle this season, albeit they've got a lot of support and things. But um, they've got Megan Wynn as well, who who Spurs fans will remember fondly. So it'd be great to see her again. Um, she's a proper Spurs supporter as well. So looking forward to seeing her again, but hoping that we can uh, beat them quite happily. And then it'll just be how we do against Reading, I think. But if we're playing where we want to be, then... That's another team we should be beating, really. Yeah, so Reading was a team that we dominated last year, but didn't necessarily come away with the results from. So it's about... Yeah, it's about converting that dominance into goals, and you know, which it often comes down to. I was thinking as well, Southampton last year had a really good FA Cup run, didn't they? I don't think it was the Conti Cup. I think it was the FA Cup that they got mm-hmm. a little bit further along. But this season, they are, like you say, probably going to be struggling and so needing to concentrate on staying in the championship. And so this is unlikely to be their priority. I think it's interesting being a group stage. I think it makes it harder for actually for the smaller teams to get through because it's not just about performing in one game. You've got to perform across three games to get out of that mm. group stage. And the Conti right. Cup is well known for it, you know, the, being the bigger teams only being involved in the last stages. Removing the um, Champions League teams has helped with that because we do have the other group in the southern area uh, or one of the other groups in the southern area is, I think, uh, all, all but one championship side. And, it's, you know, that would have been the ideal group. But it's great in some ways that it is that because it gives those teams more of a chance to actually get out of the group for a change. Um, and the Conti Cup is much maligned in the women's game. And, and one of the reasons for that is amateur teams playing midweek on a Wednesday night or whatever. And, you know, part-time players having to play, you know, having to take time off work to be able to play if they've got to travel and things. The good news is the group stage this season is all going to be weekend games. But once we get to the knockout stages, we do move back to middle of the week games. So that will change. But they still haven't actually announced the fixtures, which is what's really frustrating me right now. The first game is due to take place the first or the second of October, and we don't know who we're playing or where. Great. I'm also Great. hoping we have that we're actually able to watch the games from the States this year. Because <laughs> if I recall correctly, I think this was the competition where... It was basically up to the hosting team to provide a broadcast. And there were, you know, a couple of times when that was not happening. So, yeah, I think it's it just is ignored largely. And um, hopefully with Spurs play this season, that might be an opportunity for some of these games to be featured. But also I th- we do tend to play away in the Conti Cup, two games and one at home. I think often if you're playing the championship clubs, often they get the home games because of those kind of um, reasonings of, of players having to take time off and things. So we'll see what we get. But as I say, we don't know at all yet what that's going to be, what that's going to look like. Mm. I have to say, I'm crossing my fingers. We don't have to go away to Southampton, but if we do get to see the coast, I guess. Well, I, I, I went down to St Mary's a couple of times for the Euros, so I know how to get there now. So that's good news. Uh, <laughs> So that's the Conti Cup, which hopefully by the time we have our next pod, we'll um, know more about the fixtures for. 
we're also at Spurs Women this season um, looking at our supporters club and uh, changing that a bit. Um, Rachel and I have both been involved and Caroline, you've been helping us out a bit as well, trying to uh, increase what the club does. And we're looking to organise some socials potentially around the Leicester game, which is our second game of the season away at Leicester. But we have some local folk who've given us some local knowledge. And then also our first game at Brisbane Road, um, and ongoing at Brisbane Road, we've got somebody who's wrecking the area. And actually, Rachel, you're going to join in with the kind of wrecking of the Brisbane Road area and seeing if we can establish a, a home outside the ground, because we're still waiting on answers about exactly how the things inside the ground are going to be run. If you're interested in getting involved, do check us out on um, on Twitter. Um, we're on Facebook and Instagram as well. So do check us out, Tottenham Hotspur Women's Football Club Supporters Club. Bit of a mouthful, but there we are. And we will shortly be launching our new logo, which Caroline designed for us. So thank you for that, Caroline. Excellent, excellent work and uh, really looking forward to getting that out there. So, yeah, if you are a Spurs women's supporter, hopefully there's going to be more for you in that regard as well. Um, and hopefully putting some effort into away games and things as well to help people get to away games and get a few more voices at away games and also songs we're getting some songs going. So if you've got any ideas for songs, let the N17 women know, let the supporters club know. We want those songs. We want to put together a songbook and be able to be a little bit more vocal than we have been in the past. The last thing we want to talk about is pre-season predictions. So we're going to start with Spurs finish. Abby, you kind of touched on this in the last pod. So where, where have you got us finishing? Yeah, I've said this I think at least on the last pod and maybe even on the pod before that and the one before that, I haven't changed my mind yet. I still think we're going to finish fifth. I am more confident in this fifth than I was before preseason. I think that we're going to challenge the top sides and get more points off them this year, but I do not think we're, we've actually done enough or are actually going to do enough to fully close that gap unless someone like really slips up but I haven't seen evidence of that yet and then similarly I don't think a lot of people are saying oh Liverpool has done better than us they're going to come in ahead of us this year like we're in trouble I don't agree with that and I don't think they've done enough to get ahead of us in a new league that you know they're going to be that's new challenges uh new top teams etc cetera, etc cetera. and I don't necessarily see that anyone else has done enough to get ahead of us this year either now of course I could be proven wrong this often happens but yeah I'm going with fifth excellent okay Rachel how about you yeah I guess I'm gonna be boring and coffee abbey I'm there's teams that I sporadically get worried about like at one point I thought Aston Villa was the one that was most likely to challenge us for fifth I was feeling quite content about West Ham. They've just now signed some more players, but we don't know how their new manager is going to be sort of fitting in with them. Similarly, Liverpool. So there are teams around us who I can imagine making that difficult. And I'm also, you know, hoping for the great Arsenal explosion where they, you know, drop points miraculously. One of their players gets injured in a not career-threatening way. I don't want to wish that on anyone, but nonetheless <laughs> means that they're out. <laughs> Maybe like just like widespread sort of not too bad COVID for a few weeks or something. No, I can't see the teams above us slipping up massively. The thing would be, again, if Man City have a slow start because it's got too many players to integrate or if, I don't know, I don't Man United don't have so many obvious things that could happen to screw them up. So, yeah, probably fifth. Hopefully fifth with a bit more space, a bit closer to fourth and a bit further away from sixth. Caroline, where are you being us? <sighs> well, y'all know that I'm an incorrigible optimist. So I'm gonna be bold and say fourth. Mm-hmm. I yes, think we're I, I think <laughs> I think we're gonna finish above one of the Manchester teams. I'm not going to say nice. which, so that I at least can <laughs> avoid that uh, <laughs> prediction controversy. But My reasoning here is that we finished fifth last season and for large parts of the second half, we were just not good. And we did not have the squad depth for a lot of those games that we needed. And so we've improved in that aspect. I think we're going to pick up points last season that we dropped needlessly. And there's always a chance that, you know, someone above us is going to going to drop some important points, too. So, yeah, I, I think fourth is a hopeful but somewhat realistic goal. Love it. Nice. 
Okay. What about you, Sean? <laughs> Me? Well, uh, I I don't think we're there yet, Paul. I don't think the gaps, we don't think the gap's going to be there just yet. Um, and my concern is that there will be a another team that come up from that pack. So um, I, I would like to say fifth, I would cautiously say fifth or sixth because, and we haven't mentioned Brighton at all, and they are one of those teams that can beat Chelsea one week and lose to the championship side the next week. And, and you just don't know who's going to show up with them. So if they put on a good performance, if if these West Ham players that they're just bringing in who look excellent improve them, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole lot of stuff. And at this point in the season, I wouldn't want to uh, pin myself to one particular place, but I'm hoping for fifth. If we, if, if we finish sixth, then I'll be happy. If we do fourth, Hey, you know, I'll be over the moon, but I can't, I don't think that anybody's there yet in terms of competing with the top four. Um, I think last season was the best chance we were going to have for a while with both Manchester teams starting really slowly and even then we didn't do it so that's me what about top scorers Rachel I'm going to come to you first who do you think is going to be our top scorer this season I mean my first instinct is Nicola but then this other part of me I'm just like the only other name that's really pushing into my head at the moment is Jess I kind of feel like she's gonna at one point she's got to have that season even last year where she missed a bunch of games and she wasn't playing as consistently I think she got she was our second top scorer so I kind of feel like between them yeah I don't know Nicola is my instinct but okay Jess is an outside chance Caroline how about you I have to agree with Nicola um, and I think instinct is a great word to use there like she just has that goal scoring instinct and drive and from what we saw in preseason I think she's definitely capable of of putting in a good goal scoring tally this season for us and I can't imagine Abby's going to say anybody differently but Abby (laughs) oh it's obviously Nicola but just for fun I thought I'd throw a a few other fun ones out there mystery player that we sign in January um, <laughs> <laughs> that is bold or um I think Rosella gets her shit together and has a 10 goal season <laughs> we, we could all root for that <laughs> uh but it's obviously Nicola <laughs> yeah I think I think Nicola well Nicola's the out and out striker isn't she she's the only player we've got who kind of defines us well one of two players who defines herself in that way the other one being Roz who we have concerns about knowing where the goal is and and who puts in good performances from time to time but other times not so much I think Jess is the one that seems to be making the runs and taking the shots at the moment but um, just for me she's just still taking a little bit too long and therefore being pushed out wide a bit and and it's not quite working but I do think she's the one that runs with the ball and 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 takes a shot so she's got a good shout but then I mean we didn't mention as well Ellie and uh, Kaya's combining in the Chelsea game where Kaya should have probably had a, a goal at the back post, but it went into the side netting instead um, for a great ball from Ellie Brazil over the top of the uh, Chelsea defence. So it's tough to say, isn't it? We've got a lot of exciting players and, we, and you know, Celine as well is a, an exciting player. So it just who who's going to be the one that gets on the end of those balls? Hopefully it will be Nicola because that's what she's there for. And hopefully everybody else will be doing the hard work so she can stay in the box. But we wait and see what happens at the beginning of the season. You saying about- that about Kaya just reminded me, we talked earlier about how one of the problems for Kaya is she's not in the national team. She plays alongside um, Sam Kerr. And for us, she hasn't had that. I'm wondering... Is this the moment where we combine Kaya and Nicola and all of a sudden Kaya comes to life because there is she is one of those players who maybe needs that other central striker to, you know, motivate or to, you know, give her the space for her to do her thing? I don't know. This is Yes. I love this. <laughs> we can but hope. I mean, even with those other players up top, I was shocked with how fast she was running. I've never seen her run like that. And maybe it was just the Chelsea camera angle, which is weird, but like she was zippy, man. And if she is gonna be zippy like that, running around with Nicola, who it turns out can put in nice balls, like I full heartedly agree with that. Okay, so if we turn it around and we look at the other side of it, we can see the twenty-three goals last season. Where do we think we're going to be this season, Caroline? So I knew you were going to ask us this question today, and I've changed my mind about five different times on it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's so hard to say because right right now, 
having, of course, only seen preseason games, I feel like our defense is just not where it needs to be. But it's not like we've really had Amy Turner is really the only true injection into the defense that was not there last season. Um, You know, right now we kind of have Karis is not, you know, she's injured and waiting to come back in. But I don't know. I think I'm going to say we concede more goals just because last season it seemed a little too good to be true. But I don't know. I just don't know. This is one that I can't really call. <laughs> right, you. Yeah, I, I feel like we're not going to suddenly become one of those teams that has massive goal differences in games. So last season, the reason that we were closer to the top four than the rest of the pack was that we, if we lost games, we would lose them 1-0, 2-0, only once, I think twice, three nil or three, three, one or three nil, whatever it was. So we didn't tend to lose games by some of the score lines that other teams did. Um, and so our goal difference wasn't horrendous. And I don't think we're going to change that. I think we're still going to, you know, be able to withstand a certain amount of pressure, which again, thinking about that Chelsea game, the fact that we did concede two goals, but we didn't go on and concede more in the second half. Maybe that's a sign that that is going to stick. But yeah, I still think maybe a couple more. We don't have Rhea and Maver, and they did a lot of cleaning up last season. And even though Anharad looks like she's going to do some of that, it isn't quite yet in tune. So I'd say like 25, not loads more than last season, but a few. And Abby. Yeah, I think like Caroline, I went back and forth a bunch of times and I'll walk you through my thinking here. So my thinking number one is like, yeah, we conceded 23 goals last year. And I looked up our expected goals against, and it was actually 22. So it's not like we were wildly overperforming that. And I do think, I just have this feeling the league in general is going to have more goals in it this year. So maybe throw on like an extra four or five for that. Add maybe more three more goals because we don't have the defensive cover of Mava and Rhea. Uh, but maybe subtract them because I do expect us to be scoring more. And like if we're scoring, that's time where the other team can't be scoring. So I'm going to put us at like plus four or plus five more conceded from last year. I don't think it's going to make us that much worse off because like, I think we're also going to score more and I don't think it's going to affect whether we're losing games, but maybe I'd put us at like 27 this year. So we're all, we're all thinking a few more goals this season against us, but hopefully a good number more for us as well, I would say, yes. given the attacking options we've got. So what's your number, Sean? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think a few more. Keep it under 30 and we'll be happy. Um, yes. <laughs> and we'll see how we go at the other end. Um, that's, that's. I mean, that's the key in the end, isn't it? I mean, I think we did really well last season against the big teams, better than we've done. I mean, my hope last season that we, we would keep those bigger teams to a, a couple of goals deficits. And in the end, we ended up drawing and even winning against Manchester City. So I think that flip this season, we might see a few more goals in those games just because... We'll see how we go against those big teams again. Um, and we we did have a quite a, a reduction in those because in previous seasons we have had those big score lines against your Arsenals and your Chelsea's. Um, so th- those are always possible, particularly the way Chelsea have strengthened this season. But I think uh, uh, defensively our issue is is not having cover. So we wait and see how the injuries go in the, at the start of the season. So we're all feeling. We're all feeling fairly optimistic of a of a similar level of of performance this season from the team. Yeah, I think some of the, why one worry is that we've got a lot of difficult games near the start of the season, and how that makes the players feel if they don't all go well. So we're going to have played, mm-hmm. you know, we we start off with Man United, then we have a gap, then we play Arsenal. Then we have Liverpool, which might be difficult, and then we've got Man City, and that's a tricky start. And that Very the good two. Point. Two seasons ago, when we had the bad season, um, we did that was a big part of our problem. I think we had a run where we played the big teams, but we were at a different stage at that point. We were losing quite heavily to those bigger teams. So hopefully, with last season's performance, even if we are losing to those teams, we're losing by less of a scoreline, and that will help with the the morale. I think we just need to make sure that we take the points against the smaller sides, with no disrespect to those teams, but the Leicesters that we got second up, you know, we need to make sure we're getting three points away there and just where we can injecting that bit of confidence. I would say, you know, when Abby and I were at the Women's Cup, after the second game, we saw the players just looked very unhappy with themselves for losing another game. And 
I, I think the mentality is going to be good this season because they, they look like a team that really demand a lot of themselves and are not going to be satisfied with just saying, okay, this is a top team. We might not get this one. Like they're going to go into every game, hoping to at least get a result. I agree. And I noticed that after this Chelsea game, like for instance, Cho posted on Instagram and was like, a good effort isn't good enough or something like that and stuff like that. Yeah, that's, you know, there is going to be a difference, uh, you know, a shift in, in mindset, I think, from the years where realistically you go to Arsenal and you go well it'd be nice if we got a result but realistically and and you know we're not going to and I think as fans we were culpable for that but even at that point I think the manager and the players had a little bit of that kind of understanding but now with the results last season where we beat Manchester City albeit an understrength Manchester City where we got draws against Arsenal and Manchester United we've shown that we can compete with them and we should be asking that of the team, you know, for close games if we if we lose and hopefully for nicking a point or even three here and there. So we're, we're excited about the season. Not long now. 10th of September, that first game at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Rachel and I will be there. Uh, looking forward to seeing lots of people there. Caroline and Abby, I'm sure you'll be watching on the FA player to see how we do. Good old FA player. <laughs> Oh, um, how we've missed it, I'm sure. Um, Interestingly, we're saying after the Chelsea game, because they stream that on Chelsea's YouTube channels, that the commentators on on that seemed um, uh, somewhat better than some of the commentators on the FA player, which is interesting considering it's a club-related stream and we didn't feel completely affronted by the uh, bias (laughs) of the commentators. Yeah, uh, they didn't know the most, but like, they said they said things with their whole chest um, and they did know <laughs> they did seem to actually know more than the. You can kind of forgive the Chelsea commentators for maybe not knowing everything about their opposition. But with the FA, like if you're doing league commentary, you really should know. Right. Exactly. I think the other thing is the FA player, it usually is just lead commentary. So there's often just a single person. And, yeah. you know, Chelsea stream, they had two people, which gave them a chance to have a chat. They were able to correct errors. Yeah. When they didn't realize that Tinny wasn't Becky. Oh, that's so um. true. Yeah. They did correct their errors. <laughs> that was and hilarious. I'm still not over the, yeah. the FA player commentator last year when Rachel was in her back mask saying, like, that's not your best look, Rachel. I was just like, oh my gosh, like, do we, what if, in fact, I think he even said Rach. And I was like, what, what if we did not act this way in the commentary? I found it very <laughs> weird. So yeah, no, not looking forward to the FA player coming back. Gotta say. Maybe they put some more money into it this season. You never know. They might, they might put some work into it. Well, but actually also- that reminds me, um, I'm pretty sure the games are going to be shown on Paramount, Paramount Plus this year in the United States. This has been like announced a few times and every time it's you know, like I'm learning the information for the first time, but it's real and it's really going to happen. So if you are in the United States, I yeah. believe you can watch the cakes on Fairmount Plus this year. Excellent. We, we definitely need to look into that because I would like to know how I'm watching on the first match day. <laughs> we'll put out a tweet. We'll look into it and put out a tweet. Yeah. Yes. Brilliant. So we'll be back once we've played Manchester United to uh, let you all know what we thought of that game uh, and to take you through what happens. Uh, and hopefully, as I say, by that point, we'll have fixtures for the Conti Cup to actually discuss with you as well. But for now, I think uh, that's probably enough. Uh, we'll all go away and get even more excited about the fact that football <laughs> is nearly back. If it ever went away this summer, I'm not sure it ever <laughs> went away this summer, did it? But anyway, uh, we're looking forward to it. So thanks very much, Caroline uh, and Rachel. And Abby for uh, for joining me once again, and we'll be back when the season has started. Hooray! Mm-hmm.